So today, you know, I shared with Eric long ago about some things I had on my heart, and even as I was going and preparing for today, the Lord was even dropped some some different things in my heart, and so it's not exactly everything I told Eric that it was going to be, but it is going to be in that genre, in that line of what God's done, and and really what I hope to do today, really I, I feel like what God wants to do today is he wants to heal something. He wants to heal something about how we perceive our Father God in, in the story, in the, the redemption story of Jesus Christ. And so I just ask that today you would have your heart open and that you would actually expect healing to come to you today, okay? So will you just close your eyes with me just a moment? Just close your eyes, and I just, I want you to just, in your heart, say, Lord, I expect healing to come to me today. I need a fresh revelation, God. I want to walk in complete freedom of what the cross has done. God's going to do something powerful for you today if you allow him to do it. Easter is such a wonderful time to reflect on the work of Jesus. I mean, as we remember what Christ suffered and how he overcame death, I mean, we should be filled with praise and love and adoration for him. But the question we have to ask, or should ask, or we do ask, is why exactly did Jesus come to the earth? Was it to save the world from its sins? If so, why was it necessary for Jesus to save us from our sin? Was it to to keep us from an eternity in hell? I think most of us would probably say, yeah, that's why Jesus came to the earth. If this is the predominant understanding of why Jesus came to the earth. I mean, if it's the chief line of thinking of why Jesus became a man and he walked among us, then here's what we're saying. We're saying that Jesus came primarily to save us from hell, to save us from God's punishment. Now listen, Jesus did die, and he did atone for our sins, and he did save us from hell. And that was really essential to the plan. But I want to say today that that was not the central purpose. You see, I think a lot of us view Jesus' mission on the earth as, as somehow 
he was sent to like protect us from certain death at the hand of an angry God. I mean, I really feel like this is, this is like a, a prevailing understanding, a prevailing thought of really what the atonement was about. And though we may not explicitly say that, the implication, if we're not careful, and this is what I think God wants to heal today, the implication of that thought is that Jesus saves us from God. And from God's punishment. So I want to I take a moment this morning and I want to look at some lives we, we believe about the Father that subtly undermined our understanding of the work of Jesus on the cross. You know, most of our mistaken notions and misunderstandings concerning God, they mostly begin with fear. Everybody say fear. We, we have kept fear front and center in our incorrect revelation of the fatherhood of God. In fact, our fear of God is the chief cause of our unbelief. I mean, more than any single other factor... It keeps us from knowing the Father in very intimate ways. You see, here's what was supposed to happen. After the cross, after Jesus did what he did, there's supposed to be no more fear. Can you receive that? After the cross, there's supposed to be no more fear. I mean, here's what Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. It says, God has not given us a spirit of fear. He gave us power and love and a sound mind. So, so that should be telling us that God is not a father that should be hidden from. That we shouldn't be running from him. Now listen, I, it's true that the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, and I'm sorry guys, we didn't get the scriptures to you. So you just have to open your Bibles or your iPod, whatever you have. Please do that if you have one. Because we're just not going to get them on the screen. That was my fault. So blow the dust off and turn a page. <laughs> Listen, here's the thing, okay? The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, it says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom 
and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. However, listen, we really don't understand what a right and proper fear of the Lord is. So instead of it actually bringing us wisdom and intimacy with the Father, guess what it does? It keeps us from both. We have neither wisdom nor do we have intimacy. You know, fear, and when I say fear, that I'm talking about uh, fear that to our, our human earthly senses it usually results from something that's terrifying or painful. And the fear of God that most people in the world feel is one that fills them with a scared sense that God is waiting to pounce on me. Every time I do wrong, that's the fear that we mostly live in. It's, it's a fear that says punishment is inevitable. Even Christians struggle to see God in the right way. So many times we think of God, Father God, we, we see a judge who's just waiting to torture the wicked. And here's the first place we see this lie. The first time that we see this lie is actually in the Garden of Eden. In Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve, well, in Genesis 2, God's just done, He's finished it all, and He told them, hey, this is all yours. Tend to it, work it, enjoy it, but don't mess with this tree. You will die, so just leave it alone. Well, Genesis 3 happens. They mess with the tree, they eat, and they have sinned. And after they've sinned, they feel the shame of their nakedness, and the next thing they do is they hide from God. Why did they do that? It's because there was a lie that entered their heart. It was the lie that says, hide. God is going to level his wrath upon you. Hide from him. The minute he sees you, you will be squashed like a bug. Hide from him. It's your only chance to survive. And you know what's sad? 
is we're still living that lie. That same lie is still having massive effect on our lives. So our revelation of God as Father, it's messed up. It's like the minute we do wrong, we make God out to be our enemy who's after us rather than embracing him as our salvation and our refuge. A salvation and a refuge from our real enemy, the true enemy in our lives, which is sin. We don't know the Father very well. Nor do we know how to properly fear Him. Now, I realize that fear can be normal. I realize that it can actually be a healthy thing. I mean, God gave us the capacity to experience fear. But here's why. He put it there for our protection. For instance, you know, before a child can swim, he has a natural fear of the water. The fear of water protects him from drowning. We're all happy about that, aren't we? Hmm? But listen, once he's learned to swim, guess what happens? The fear is replaced by the capacity to fully enjoy the water. As well as respect it. (laughs) I better not swim for three miles because I've never swam three miles in my life and I might drown out there. So what happens is the child, he knows, he appreciates, and he understands the water. He understands the power of the water, even the danger of the water. But he's no longer frightened of it, is he? He's not afraid to go near it. He's not afraid to put his toe in, to jump head first. So in situations like this, fear is a useful place to begin. You see, fear is, is it's basic. It's, it's a beginning. It's a response of childhood. But here's the thing. It's also something that we cast aside when spiritual adulthood starts to come to our life. So, things like the fear of punishment. That's a response from our spiritual childhood. Can it be useful for training? Sure. But here's the thing. It won't be able to get you much more than a couple of steps in your journey with God. Are you tracking with me? 
Proverbs 9.10, again, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So it's important for us to understand it's better to fear God than to ignore him. Because listen, here's the fact. I want to do this thing justice. Disobeying God, it does bring fearsome consequences. You see, when we spend a lifetime of independence from the Lord, a lifetime of ignoring the call of God's voice, a lifetime spent pleasing yourself, a lifetime of disobeying his commands, a lifetime of sin. They're absolutely foolishness. And we should tremble at the the consequences of a lifetime spent that way. But here's the point. What we need to fear is the consequences of sin. That's the fire you should be afraid to touch. That's the thin ice you should be afraid to walk out on. The consequences of sin. Not the Father. Because He's actually the only one who can save you from sin altogether. You know, when Adam ate the fruit in the garden, his, his initial response was correct. He was afraid. He just sinned. I'm in a pickle. But see, here's the thing. The fear he was experiencing, it should have directed it at his disobedience. That's the, that was who it was to be directed at. He should have been afraid of what was just revealed in his heart. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that was there. I can't believe this. That's where it should have been directed. Not at his father who came to the garden looking for his kids. I mean, given what he had just done. His father God was his only refuge from what was now in his heart. He was his only hope. You see, it was Adam's rebellion that was the enemy, not God. Now listen, I, I want to say this, and again, it's true. Hell awaits those who spend a lifetime ignoring God. It does. But it's not God they should be afraid of. It's my pride that I should be deathly scared of. 
It is the rebellion that's in my heart that I should be scared to death of. Because God is our salvation. Now, there are two kinds of fear. There's the fear of the Lord, which is good. And then there's the fear that the devil gives us. And the fear of the Lord, its job is to encourage us towards relationship with our Father. That's the kind of fear that we see in Genesis chapter 2. All is good. There's, there's this holy reverence that, that brings Adam and Eve every day into the fellowship, to the presence, to the intimate knowing of their father. It's a fear that produced a loving awe. That, that we are able to honor and respect and obey our Father God. That's the kind of fear that is the beginning of wisdom. It's the kind of fear that, that calls for us to obey Father so that we will know what life is really for. It's a fear that says, walk with the Father, and all he has is yours. Now, the opposite of that fear is what we see in Genesis chapter 3. It's a fear that, not, that did not come from a loving Father's heart, but it came from an evil, twisted heart. It came from the heart of Satan. And here's what this ugly fear says. It says, hide from God. If he finds you in your sin, he will kill you. If we live with that kind of fear, then we are afraid of God. We are fearful of God. And if we live with that kind of fear, how are we ever going to learn to walk with Abba every day? It can't happen. How can we see what Jesus did on the cross as anything but saving us from an angry God? We can't. If we live afraid of God, then what Jesus did on the cross, it becomes twisted. And our intimacy with the Father, it gets hindered. You see, if, if the lie of that kind of fear, if it builds our house of faith, how can Father God come home with us? If the bricks and the walls of our spiritual home are held together with a hide from God 
kind of fear? How is it going to protect us from the lying whispers of the enemy? I mean, just think for a moment. What would have been God's response had Adam run to him instead of running away from him in fear? What would have happened if if Adam ran to God and confessed his sins? I want you to know Jesus told us exactly what would happen. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells us a story about a certain son, prodigal in nature. A son who wanted a life apart from the father. A son who wanted to live life just according to his own way of thinking. Of course, we said a lifetime of that results in utter destruction. And so here's the son living in a pig pen, eating slop. And he realizes something. Hey, I had it actually pretty good. At the father's house. I'm just going to go back there and, of course, I'm disgraced and I'm shamed. And so I'm just going to go be just a slave in my, my dad's house. If he's good, I don't know. And that's where Jesus starts in verse 18 in Luke chapter 15. Son says, I will set out and I'll go back to my father. And I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. That's a good start. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And this is the part that's not the correct part. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. And he was filled with compassion. Everyone say compassion. And he ran to his son, which was disgraceful for Hebrew men to do. And he threw his arms around him and he kissed his face. I love kissing my boy's face. I love it. And the son said to the father with his very well-prepared speech, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. No longer worthy to be called your son. But the father put his hand on his mouth. And he said, shh, just, just, just a second. Quick, go get the best robe and it, put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it. And let's have a party. Let's feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. And so they got down with it. 
This is who your father is. This is the heart of a loving father who has in mind to save you. To restore you and to celebrate you. You know, Jesus said in John chapter 14 and verse 9, he says, If you've seen me, then you've seen the Father. The most famous scripture in the world, John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but will have eternal life. Now do you know what 17 says? He did not send his son into the world to condemn it. But to save it through him. Close your eyes again. Say, let this healing come, Father. Even in 1 John chapter 4, verse 16, it says, and, and so we know and we rely on, say rely on. rely on. We rely on the love that God has for us. Because what? God is love. And whoever lives in love lives in God. And God in him. You see, when we think about what Jesus did, the saving of you and I, it was the Father. It was His plan. From the beginning, from the very beginning, it was the Father's plan. Revealed through this, His Son, Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, as we look on the empty cross, where Jesus died, and as we meditate on His resurrection, there's a message that Jesus came to say to us. I believe that Jesus came to say, listen to me. Your sins are going to result in your death. But your father loves you so much. That he has sent me to lead you back to him. I believe Jesus is saying, I've come to rescue you and to take you home. The Father has sent me because of his great love for you. 
Because your Father, He is your salvation. He's your refuge. And I'm the one He sent to offer it to you. He alone is your tender, loving Father. He can save you from your sins. So take my hand. Let me show you your wonderful, loving Father. Stop hiding. Come to Him with me. That's the message of Christ. That was His purpose. To reveal God's personality. To reveal God's character. To lead us back to our Father. So that the Father and Son together might save us. God is our Father. And Jesus came to show us and tell us what He's like. And when we pit Jesus against the Father, like like the blood of Jesus is some kind of gigantic shield to protect us from the wrath of an angry dad. We're creating a split in the Godhead itself. So today I want to declare that God is one. And His nature is one. And his nature is to love and to forgive. Just say that after me. His nature is to love and to forgive. That's my daddy in heaven. The atonement, the the forgiveness of sins through the blood of Jesus, it all originated in Father's heart. Not it, it, it came from his love, not his vengeance. Jesus was sent that the Father might love us back home with open arms. Not beat us back with a whip. Let's just say that again. My father father is love love and and forgiveness. And I'm just going to lead you, just just pray this prayer after me. I renounce the lie that I have to hide when I sin. 
I renounce the lie that I should be afraid of God instead of running to Him. And I receive the truth. It was Father's heart who sent Jesus to save me and to bring me home. Come on, be healed. Get healing. I'm going to have the worship team come up now. I know there are people in this room right now who need to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. There are people in this room right now who need to come clean with God. There are people in this room right now that the love of God is so powerfully pulling you that you need to respond. So as the worship team just lightly starts to play, I'm going to make room for that to happen. If you would just stand with me for a moment. I feel like I just I feel like the, the Holy Spirit is just revealing to me that, that there are even some here who who you feel you've you feel like maybe at one point in your life you knew God or was tight with Him or whatever. You thought you were good, but you haven't been so good lately. I want you to know today is an opportunity to make everything clean. There are some here who, who you long and desire to wipe the slate clean. That can happen. And so what I'm going to do is there's a, there's a, a, a proper way that the Bible lays out for us of how you can clean the slate.
See, the prodigal son, he had something right. He says, I'm going to the Father and I'm going to confess my sins. The Bible says that if we will confess our sins, Abba God is faithful and he will forgive us every sin in our life. So I'm just going to ask if you're here today if you're here now and you're one of these who the, the Father is pulling your heart into His. If you're here today and you're saying, I need Jesus. I need Jesus to come and heal me from sin, from the rebellion and the pride that's in my heart. that's you this is the most important moment of your life if you're here and you are ready to to confess your sins to the Lord to receive the powerful work of the cross that Jesus completed. If you're in this place and you're ready for that, then I need you to come out of your seat and I need you to come and stand down here before me right now. I need you to do it now and I need you to do it boldly. Come forth in the name of Jesus. Maybe you just need more healing for the the false understanding that God is waiting to squash you like a bug. If that's you, come down. This is your moment to come forth. now come receive Jesus if you need a savior he's here today to save you I'm going to ask the altar ministry to come forth just spread out up here in the front if you would please We're just going to worship the Lord. We're just going to worship, 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 and thank Him for who He is and for what He's done. And if at any point, as we sing the praises of God today, as we we bow our hearts before Him, if you need something, if you need salvation, if you need restoration, 
I, can, I encourage you to come down and to see any of these up here. But confess your sins to the Lord. Come and confess your sins and let a spirit of repentance wash you over and make you clean like you've never felt before.